0: Welcome to worship. Our Holy Gospel today is John 20, verses 19 to 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, You may have life in his name. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray the Holy Spirit prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit, instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the name of the Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. One of the reasons Christians typically worship on Sunday rather than the Jewish Sabbath of Saturday comes because Jesus rose from the dead, obviously, on Sunday, but also from this verse of on the first day of the week. Because the disciples first met with Jesus on that particular day of Sunday, a week after the resurrection, and again the subsequent week on a Sunday, Sunday has been commemorated as the Christian Sabbath. And besides that, the only mention in all the New Testament of the week, month, or year mentioned by number are the verses recognizing the first day of the week. This is when religious observances happened and Jesus blessed and sanctified this day himself with his presence. Sunday then was Jesus first appearance after the resurrection to his company of disciples. And on that very same day, Jesus also appeared to the three who came from the tomb, the three women as well as the two that were walking on the road to Emmaus. This time though, The gathering place was thought to be in the upper room, most likely where they had recently celebrated the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper. The disciples had come together in secret for fear of the Jews, and the doors were shut. No doubt they were terrified, thinking they were going to be the next victims after Jesus' crucifixion. However, biblical scholars say that there's no indication that the disciples sustained any personal injury following immediately following the the crucifixion. But obviously we can see here that even though they were privately meeting, no doors shut out Christ's presence from their lives. And it's good to know that when the doors are shut in our own lives due to fear or loss, Jesus still shows up and he is there with us. The scripture says, and you know it well, when two or three are gathered together in his name, He is there in the midst of them, and he is here now, even as we gather in this very room. Jesus speaks to his disciples, peace to you. What kind of peace is this? This is peace with God, peace for our souls and for our consciences, peace with one another in our relationships. This is peace for troubled times and circumstances. A peace that passes all understanding. A place of rest and comfort. Not the kind of peace of this world, which is no peace. Just like that song says that the guy sang when we walk through a storm, don't be afraid of the dark, because we never walk alone. Well, speaking of peace, I like it that we do the passing of the peace here at Mount Olive. We are actually continuing the significance of the blessing that Jesus gave to his disciples in the upper room and churches all over the world commemorate the passing of the peace now when I was growing up on the mission field in the country of Haiti the the churches always started their services with a French saying La paix de Dieu soit avec vous tous and the congregation would give a hearty Amen and that was the peace of God be with you all Amen it's a great habit pronouncing God's peace on others. And I'm glad that we do it here. So let's practice it now, and we're going to do it in English. The peace of God be with you all. And also with you. (laughs) Amen. All right. Well, people all around us, seriously, are looking for peace, and we have it. Well, I was at the water cooler the other day at school, and a colleague was pouring out his heart about the future. He was very anxious. And I was in the process of working on this message and thinking about the passing of the peace. And as we neared the end of the conversation, I looked at him, and I said, peace to you, and he seemed genuinely grateful. Just a few words is all it took, and he looked visibly better. People all around you are looking for a word, a look, or a touch. A few days later, I was with a student and it had been a very troubling experience that she was recounting to me. And after listening to her, I said to her simply, peace be to you. It was as if I said the right thing because she nodded and she agreed. And she became more relaxed as if there was an inner sigh of relief that went on in her. So be Jesus to others. Show up in the middle of their troubled lives and bless others with these words. Try passing the peace and watch God work. Well, then Jesus showed them his marks and his wounds, proof that it was he who was resurrected, and they rejoiced. And then Jesus says it again. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Jesus was sending them out as church planters, as soul winners. They were sent out with a divine power and a purpose, They had the very authority of Christ and the Father. The word apostles means sent out ones. And this sending meant that their work was to be the same as Jesus' work and carry on where he left off. Well he gave his authority to them. In Matthew 28 he says, all authority has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. So we have the authority to go in Jesus' name. Jesus then qualified them by breathing on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. They were going to need that spiritual life and power in order to do his work. And throughout the Bible, we see instances of God breathing, which is a reference to the spiritual life that is within us. In the creation story, Genesis 2-7, God breathed and man became a living soul. In Ezekiel 37-9, God's breath came on the dead dry bones and they lived again. And the Bible also says that all scripture is God breathed and it gives life to us. In this passage, Jesus breathed, and the disciples were equipped to begin a new life of ministry. Jesus then said, receive the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit is actually a gift and a sign of Christ in our lives. Christ commissioned them to receive it, it, and whoever he commissions, he will furnish them with power. When Jesus sends us out, the Holy Spirit is essential to the work that we do for him. The Holy Spirit's power will give us the courage for whatever we face, just like it did for the disciples. John Wesley believed that the declaration of receive the Holy Spirit was like a down payment or an earnest that that would come later on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would fall on the believers. I like what author Chick Shaver says, a lot of us realize our need for a deeper relationship with God beyond our present relationship with Christ. We want to do more for God, but we don't have the power to do it on our own. We know that we've been born of the Spirit, but now we need to be filled with the Spirit. Now, when somebody's offering you a gift, you take it, right? You receive it. It's as simple as that. Jesus is giving us the Holy Spirit. He says receive the holy spirit so it's up to each one of us today to take the holy spirit as our very own and this is an actual movement in our spiritual lives that makes all the difference well after this event with jesus the disciples went back and they told thomas all about it we have seen the lord they declared this but it wasn't good enough for thomas he needed to have been there himself and had his own evidence And although Jesus himself had said he was gonna rise after three days, and now the disciples were pronouncing that they had seen him, Thomas wanted his own proof. And Thomas is like many people that are skeptical, unless the facts are objectively there. It was easy for the disciples to believe because they'd just seen Jesus. And Thomas was only asking for the same opportunity that they'd had when he said, unless I shall see in his hands, the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. This response also gave the disciples a first-hand experience of the way that people would reject their te- testimony and discount their report, even someone close to them. Well, Thomas had missed this great celebration. He was not in his place with all the rest. Everyone else got to see Jesus and touch him and experience his presence, but for whatever reason Thomas didn't show up with the others. Did you ever miss out on something that was great that happened, only to hear about it later and feel badly? Well, that happened to me one time when I was a teenager. I applied for a big Christian conference over in Switzerland, and I was all excited about going, but I didn't get to go. And if that wasn't bad enough, all the missionary kids that I grew up with in Haiti got to go, except for me. Except for me. And of course, I didn't want to hear all about all the fun that they had. Well, thank goodness, a week later, Jesus appeared again when the disciples were up in the upper room. And this time, Thomas was in his place and got to experience him. For a whole week, the disciples had been pumped up, talking about Jesus rising from the dead, and Thomas just had to listen and wait it out. So once again, the doors were shut. It was a Sunday, and Jesus shows up a second time in their presence. And what do you think he says? Again, peace be unto you. And sometimes we just need to have a double or triple dose of Jesus' peace before we can begin to trust him and his protection over our lives. Well, interestingly, Jesus speaks to Thomas almost word for word, what Thomas had said to his disciples. It was almost uncanny. There's not a word or a thought that we've had or said that Christ doesn't know about. And here we can see that Jesus accommodates himself to Thomas. He doesn't leave him in his unbelief, but he has him literally touch him and see that he was real. Just like Thomas, people all around you are looking for a word, a look, or a touch. Be Jesus to them. Show up in the midst of their doubts and fears and encourage them to touch Jesus. Some biblical scholars have said at least Thomas was honest and he didn't pretend that his doubts didn't exist. Faith's a hard thing for some people. And it was, no doubt, hard for Thomas. He had to be sure in order to have faith. Thankfully, he didn't remain in doubt. And it's nice for us to know that God can handle our doubts. We can see here that once Thomas had that surety and faith, he was all in, totally devoted. His surrender was complete. Other historical writers have said that Thomas was the first missionary to India Well, aren't we glad that Thomas gets to finally see and believe and worship Jesus? He's in total awe and joy and he's fully satisfied now. Was Thomas in awe because Jesus knew exactly what he was thinking and feeling and needing? Or was Thomas in awe because Jesus had revealed the truth of the resurrection to him personally? In any case, his doubts were changed to faith. Jesus became his Lord and his God. Thomas pronounces Christ's deity, that Jesus is one with the Father, not just a man, but he is God. Thomas accepted Christ to be who God appointed him to be, and he makes Christ his own. He personalizes his faith. So as we reflect on Thomas's experience, we ask ourselves, is Christ the Lord and God of our lives? Have we had that, in, that awesome encounter with Christ where we finally believed in him for ourselves? This is a very personal experience for each one of us. Think about this. How has Jesus revealed himself to you personally? It cannot be another person's report or experience. We must each experience the risen Lord for ourselves. And it's not enough that others say that it's so. I must know him and believe him for myself. All of us need that upper room experience where God discloses himself intimately to us and we make him our own. Thomas said, My Lord and my God! When we really know God, we will worship him and proclaim him to others. There will be a profession of our faith. Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Oh, unfortunately, some people will only believe in Jesus if they can see a definite sign or a miracle or God answers their prayers. So if you have doubts today, like Thomas, hear Jesus' words to you. Be not unbelieving, but believing. And you are invited today just to believe that Jesus was who he said he was. Thomas got to touch the wounds of Jesus and find out that he was a touchable God. What will it take for you to believe that Jesus is the Christ? What keeps you from fully believing in him? He knows what you need. He wants you to reach out and to touch him and find him close and real in your life. And he wants to meet your need of faith today. Well, the disciples were fortunate enough to be eyewitnesses to Jesus' resurrection, but guess what? The entire world after them would have to be won only by their testimony. And that's why Jesus says it's more praiseworthy to be who we are today than those who have, have, uh, that those who have not yet seen him and believe. So how does it make you feel today to know that you, as a believer, are more blessed than the crowd who was standing before him that day? that your faith is truly faith. First Peter 1 Peter eight says it well, and although you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. So we are actually those who have believed the truth about Jesus from someone else's report. And the scripture says in Romans 10.13-16, for whoever will call upon the name of the Lord Will be saved. How shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. Somebody witnessed to you so that you've believed, and we too are sent by Jesus to witness to others. I read a story the other day about an unbeliever, a guy who had a successful Hollywood career. He went into a coffee shop in LA and there was a group of young people there with a Bible open on on the table. And they ended up talking to him and invited him to their church. And as a result, this man was curious, so he showed up at church. And you know, it was a simple thing that happened, but this guy gave his life to the Lord. So you never know how your witness and a simple invitation to church can impact the life of another. And that's something that all of us can do. Well, now we come to the most controversial verse in our passage in John chapter 20, verse 23. It says, If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Now, some commentaries say that no one can save G- except for Jesus. Other commentaries say this was a power that was given exclusively to the original apostles as they were the ones starting out the work of God's kingdom. But still other commentators say that the ecclesiastical office of the minister should be counted as a serious charge and not taken lightly. Well, whatever this verse means for us today, I'm not going to settle the score. (laughs) But I will say that we can be sure of this, that... There is a message of not only the wonderful reconciliation with Christ, but also a warning of condemnation to those who do not believe. So now I want to come back and focus the lens here at the end on the part where Jesus shows them his hands and his side, and he tells them, As the Father sent me, I am sending you. We, his believers, are to be his hands and his feet to this lost and dying world. People need the Lord and there's a cost to following Jesus. And I can tell you now, the rulers of this physical and spiritual world are not gonna be overjoyed that we are Christians, but we need to be ready and put on the full armor of God. Christians are still being martyred today in some parts of the world for their faith, and some of those early disciples were also martyred. John 10:16 says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, Evil people will react to our message. And it's not always a comfortable gospel to be salt and light. And just just as Jesus suffered, we may be persecuted and have to suffer. But we are the sent ones. We are sent by Jesus, sent just like Jesus was sent. So what does it mean to be sent in this way? Jesus went out in perfect obedience to the Father, in the authority of the Spirit to proclaim the truth of the kingdom and to convert sinners. And Jesus calls us to obedience just as he was called to it. So here's your homework assignment. You all know I'm a teacher, right? So what do we need to do with this message? You won't even remember it next week unless you put it into practice. So here's four things, four things I want you to try this week. Are you ready? Alright, number one, Pass the peace to someone who needs it. People all around you are looking for a word, a look, or a touch. Be aware of those who are anxious and pass the peace generously to those around you. Number two, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit for yourself. Take the gift that Jesus offers. Open yourself up to all the power that God has for you. We cannot do the works of God Without receiving the Holy Spirit. He was offered way back then to that starting company of believers. And he's still offering himself today as we continue our service for him. All right. Number three. Go out with the risen Lord. You are sent by God. And he is with you. Be a witness and invite someone to church. Advance the kingdom of God and defeat the works of the devil. All right. Number four, don't doubt anymore, but believe. Have faith and experience Jesus personally, the one who knows everything about you. He wants to meet your need, whatever it is today, whatever it is. So reach out and touch him and see for yourself that he is real. So I'm going to give those those four again. I want to make sure you've got them, right? What's the first one? First one, pass the peace to someone who needs it. Number two, receive the Holy Spirit for yourself. Number three, go out with the risen Lord. You are sent. And number four, don't doubt any more but believe. Now may you may join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done